Okay. All right. Okay. So we're back again today to talk about chapter five of Renee's book, um, which is about the process of creativity. Is that right? Yes. Chapter five is process. It's one of the 10 components uh, that deserves and wants its own chapter. Yeah. And so the subtitle of this chapter is inner and outer. Yes. Inner Can you and talk outer. about that a little? Sure. We talked a little bit about it last time, but you know, I love repeating this cute little thing. So this yeah. is the pot and the pot is our metaphor to remind us what is creativity. Well, if you can remember that a pot has the outside and the inside, you'll remember that creativity has an outside and an inside. And in this amazing metaphor, it goes on and on. So the inside is the abstract and the outside is the concrete because the inside can be dark and empty, but there's still a lot of stuff in there like your emotions and your dreams and taking risks and your family ancestry and your thoughts and your fears and all the things you can't see are the inside and everything that we can see, which would be the product, whatever we, cre whatever we created that the world sees. So in the process itself, there's an inner and an outer. So it's a metaphor within a metaphor within a metaphor. It's like a play within a play. Yeah. So in the process uh, component is a process. And we talk about two things in this chapter. We talk about the process for the inside, which is the individual. Because in the metaphor, the individual is the inside, the inner, and society is the outside. So there's going to be a process for the individual and for the product, which then touches society. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it's not that complicated. So we're going to talk about two processes. One of them is the individual process. And you and I talked about it ad infinitum over the past year and a half doing our little um, Instagram lives. It's the process of becoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the process of becoming. And so that process is in some ways it's going into the outer like or inner rather plumbing the depths of the inner inner and then kind of turning yourself inside out. Mm -hmm. You could say that's the process and that and then the product is this inside out person, which is yeah which is expression and that's almost like a violent metaphor for it um which i think sometimes is appropriate not always but sometimes i don't see it as violent i see it as um all the other things that create it's transformative it's transportive like if we can't um there there's a bible verse too in the book of thomas not that i want to quote scripture but the book of thomas was never published by the regular um people that were in charge of the canon because right. it, was, it was too spiritual and the, the verse went something like this. Um, if you don't bring in what's inside of you to the surface, it's going to eat you up. Right. But right. I think it's something like you will be saved, <laughs> not eat you up. But if uh -huh. it, those of you who keep whatever's inside under the surface, it's going to you're not going to be saved. You're going to go to hell or whatever. Totally. And so Jungian psychology actually is really into that. When you when you study the shadow, you mm -hmm. know, we all have a shadow side. And when you are our psyche is self-regulating like the earth is, isn't that neat? Like the earth is self-regulating. If we just left the earth alone, she'd heal. Mm -hmm. We stopped beating her up. Um, but the, the human psyche is the same. Um, if I'm too productive and I don't pay any attention to my inner realm, right mm -hmm. around my age, you know, 50 or 60, I, I could blow. Like I could leave my husband, I could do shopping sprees, I could spend all my money. I could, you know, you just, your internal realm needs some attention. And totally. that's, that's how you regulate is you have paid no attention to the inner realm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know, I, 
I'm sure that happened to you a little bit at 25 to 30, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I go through cycles of it still. I mean, my whole, my whole like MO, my whole heading in my life is to listen to that inner realm is to learn how to deeply care for yourself by listening. And yet, you know, I still find myself getting entangled in the to do's and the idea of productivity or, um, ambition or, you know, whatever, um, as like a professional, you know, um, when ultimately I know that's sort of just a game that I'm playing as this, as this kind of spiritual creative human entity, you know, um, and that that always needs to come first. And so, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. I quote Pema Chodron, the, um, she's a Buddhist master, Buddhist nun. And she says that, um, that our wisdom is tied up in our neuroses. She talks about the fact that we have to, we have to sit with our crazy, basically paraphrasing, um, and just be like, yeah, I am totally, I'm this, I'm a human. I've totally got all this neuroses and yeah, that's just what it is to be a human. Mm -hmm. And once we sit with that and are, and can be with it, then it doesn't have so much power over us because we're not pretending all the time that we're not, yeah, we're not yeah. running from the truth all the time. Right. Trying we're, to running from ourselves. Our, we're not trying to push down our internal realm and pretend in like a whitewashed tomb. Jesus said the Pharisees were like whitewashed tombs because they paid no attention. They only cared about what the others saw so much mm -hmm. so that Jesus would say, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing because everything was a show. Gee, right. I wonder if that sounds anything like the Instagram show. Right. Why are we repeating history? Why are we still, because we're human. Um, I think there's a, maybe you can help me if you look at uh, the notes. Um, the word madness is the same as what? Let me see. Inspiration and madness are the same word in Latin is what you wrote. Right. So what is that? We have to look up inspiration in Latin, yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, that's, that makes so much sense to me. I mean, even going back to the muses, which we've talked about before in, in Greece, you were possessed by the muses. If you were creating something, it wasn't really your creation, so to speak. Yeah. And, and so I can, I can see, you know, where, where that parallel came from, you know? Yeah. Inspiration. It's also Latin. inspiration is such a vital, you know, bedfellow or sister to creativity, it's um, it's one of the stages actually in the process, which we're going to talk about next week. Um, but inspiration and madness are what we're talking about. The inspiration can come from madness. It comes from the shadow. Oh, it's perfect because in Latin, okay. So the word is inspirare. inspirare. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. And it means to blow into or to breathe upon. Figuratively, it's to inspire, excite, or inflame, um, which you can see where it would kind of go down that line to madness. And what's so really profound to me about this is in Ayurveda, vata is wind element, the wind element. And the wind element is the source of inspiration. Okay. It's the source of creativity. Okay. Without movement that wind produces, there's no creativity. It's all stasis, right? And yet at the same time, that same wind is also the, 
the vehicle of disease because disease again can't be can't be distributed through the body without that wind and that movement and excess wind causes flatulence you know anxiety um psychosis in extreme situations so to me there's a there's a really profound parallel between those two and i'm so glad that you wow. brought that latin to our attention you know me and my etymology Yes, but you know um, what I love is bringing in Ayurvedic medicine and lifestyle and practice to the the components of creativity because it it just adds more not credence but just more more legs you know to keep it moving. If we don't, and so I can riff on that since I've never heard that. Mm -hmm. If we aren't creative, if we don't touch down with our internal realm and give some attention to our shadow, we get sick. We right. Suffer. We suffer. right. And because that wind has to go somewhere, right? If it's not being expressed in a healthy way, it's it's finding ways to push disease into the body. That's how Ayurveda would okay. So it. let's do the other thing then. And if you have too much inspiration and too much attention to shadow, attention mm -hmm. to the internal realm, you fucking can't feed yourself, can you? Because you didn't go to work that day and you didn't make any money. And the way Jungian psychology talks about it is it's a fulcrum, like a teeter-totter, and then the fulcrum right here. If you go too far over to the shadow and you pay way too much attention to your internal realm, right. and you, then you can't, you flip. But if you pay exactly. too much attention to the product and, you know, being like the Pharisees or making so much money, you're going to get up to the top of the, you know, money train and realize that there's nothing there and, you know, commit suicide. I don't know. You're going to flip. So there's right. this flipping that this, this book, that my book is about balance. And so when you're self-regulating, when your psyche is getting self-regulated, you tend to your soul, you tend to your shadow, you don't try and hide it. You don't, you don't tell it to go away. It, and it, man, is that a difficult balance? It Just is. In talking yeah. to like, how was your week and how do you honor your shadow's reaction to so much transition and so many things yeah. that you can't control. How do you do it? I'm, yeah. I and I'd like that, to know. That's been coming up for me, which is why it's so funny. And it, it's always like this, but this topic is so relevant, you know, the inner and the outer. And, and then what you go on to say, you know, about reconciling the conscious and the unconscious and including the shadow, you know, it's like, there's this part of me, this part of the ego that wants to be in a productive you know, stable, consistent, dependable, whatever adult, like all of those things. Right. And of course I am those things a lot of the time. And then sometimes my nervous system does things. And then all of those things become like, oh, I don't even know, not even, they're not even relevant questions anymore. And it's just like, you're just well, this is what's happening in my world. There's no, there's nothing like outside because I have to tend to what my nervous system is doing. Because you're and, trying to push through and be an adult or be productive or be what society wants you to be. And you keep trying to push through that and your little inside, your internal realm and, and your nervous system. Cause then it starts to, you know, it starts to manifest in our physical physicality, right? Uh, what's going on in the inside. And so what do you do? What do you do? I'm curious. Yeah, what I do is I turn inward. I mean, in, in a sense, I, f I think of it as nature actually forcing me to turn inward mm. because I was pushing too far in the outer, mm. in the product, you know? Yeah. And nature's like, no, 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 wait. Remember, you're human. 
Yeah. It's about the end, like you got to tend to this, the yin, you know? So if, if I don't honor the yang and the yin cycles of my life, cycles of nature, cycles of the seasons and the years, and we, as, as a collective, if we don't honor those things, nature forces it. And in many, I've heard many, many places that, um, from a lot of spiritual teachers that like COVID was an example of that happening on a collective level, like a, a collective downturn, inner looking, stay the fuck home, stay yeah, home, take a break. Yep. Yep. Remember what's really important to yep. you. Like just cut out all the bullshit. You can't, and- you can't have an external journey. You're I'm going to make it where you can't have an external journey. Your journey yep. is going to be within. Yeah. Yeah. We, we might've talked about that during COVID because Andrea had a really great, um, uh, a really great like women's wisdom village on um, the feminization of society. Since we, the, the female, we have inward journeys and men, right. you know, their, their odyssey is without and sure. how, how that is going to tend to the feminine side, uh, anima, what's what, animus and anima. animus and anima. Yeah. And yet at the same time, I, I would say that we both have both and, and real balance comes from having both like the outer and the inner. And some people of course will skew more towards one or the other, just based on. No, we do have both. Right. We do have both. Yeah. Yeah. So let's actually plug her though, because you said Andrea, but, but most people might not know who we're talking about. Andrea Slominski. What's her website? Her name is Dr. A and um, she's a depth psychologist who runs uh, the women's wisdom village, but who also um, does a course, uh, not exactly like yours, but it's for older women who want to reboot, find their purpose and plug into the collective and make a difference. But sometimes we just get really confused and society makes us think that you know, mm-hmm. menopause and all the things that go on in our body are called symptoms. And, um, you know, she's on a, on a, on the path to make people understand they're just indicators, just like you taught me that it's just right. information, Renee, this is totally. just information. So yeah. every time you say something like, I'm just human, you know, where did we ever think that we couldn't react or, you know, sometimes I think of my friend E, who's also an artist. I, I she meditates every day every day. And so when I imagine her and she's happy and she's just beautiful, she's such a lovely person. When I imagine her, how is she such an artist then? Like, how does she tap into, um, you know, there's a lot of sadness and profundity and life is not always colorful and artistic, right? I wonder how does she tap into that? And does meditating, you know, two two or three hours a day make her not be human? Does it make her not react? Well, I don't know. I haven't interviewed her, but I'll tell you, she's had a lot of loss in her life. And the mm-hmm. fact that she can still function and that she can still be joyful really proves that that attention to the internal realm, when your external realm is a shit show and you can't control it. Um, yeah. I just, it, it's, it's definitely, an, you know, an invitation to stay going within so that you can yeah. survive when life throws stuff at you. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about with the Pema children thing. And so going back to the meditation, meditation is the most concentrated form of digesting our emotions and our experiences and our shit basically. And that's why it's so excruciating for most people to sit and meditate. Because mm-hmm. we don't want to sit and digest our shit. And I include myself in that. 
I try very hard to meditate for 10 minutes a day in the morning and it's very hard and I do not adhere to that, but I do it now and then here and there a couple times a week, you know, whatever. And it's a practice, right? Because I know that I know that how my mind works. I know the nature of my mind. And I found there are ways that I can meditate my life mm. where I can like in the creative process, I can be with it. And we may have talked about this before too. It's like the creative process where you can be with your feelings and you can be expressing it. And it's a little bit less threatening because you're putting it into form. Okay. Right. Because you, you're process, you, you're literally processing it. You are, you're literally processing it. Like you're beat, you're kneading that clay or whatever, but it's a little bit less um, threatening because sitting with the mind itself is is kind of terrifying it's like a horror show in a lot of cases like even on the, a good day you're like where the hell did that thought come from and yeah. what what do, you know we don't want to know like we don't want to admit that we have racist thoughts we don't want to admit that we have you know like, like sexist thoughts or or you know judgmental thoughts or you know most people are just running away from that constantly yeah so right. to sit in meditation is very brave and it's almost almost a little masochistic in at, at least in that sense but yeah. to go back to your friend what we learn is not to react but to respond because when there is space there's that opportunity for us to digest an experience before we have like a knee-jerk animal reaction to it and so that's that's the benefit right yeah. is, is we we take that time it's like sitting on the toilet you know do you sit on the toilet <laughs> for 30 seconds and then you're like, okay, well, I'm out of here. This is boring. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or do you sit and let yourself finish your digestion yeah, or yeah. your elimination? Yeah. And it's the same thing with meditation. It's almost like flushing the mental toilet in a way, you That's know? Pretty, I love how you always bring it back to going to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be, you know, and that's what we're talking about is the shadow, right? Like yeah. everyone thinks, oh, I, sh I shouldn't meditate. Cause then I'll feel so nice afterwards. And it's like, not probably not like, I you're like probably not. yeah, I like that. Um, well, uh, the, the, the process of becoming in, in the book, first I talk about this stuff that we're talking about the shadow, the psyche. Um, and, um, then we talk about play but what, one of the stories that I lead with at the beginning of this chapter is how I went to my therapist, who was my voice therapist, um, not my you know regular therapist. I just had a vocal therapist because I had no voice for however many years. And we talked about poetry, and I was confused why some of my poetry when I was most upset was the was better. Totally. Yeah, because I read in a book. It was uh, I read in a book that artist doesn't have to be you know bloody and thrashed to produce good art and i thought to myself yeah i get that discipline comes along but man is my poetry better when i'm upset That's and so, so she yeah. explained to me that when you're upset or when you're in crisis or whatever you're you're going deep 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 within yourself and that's where the richness is is in that shadow it's yeah like that depth and that's why it's better it's not not that we need to thrash ourselves and be these crazy artists and you know drink all day like hemingway was that hemingway right not, you know we don't have to be destructive um but when we are upset and we are going through things our art will tend to have more um poignancy and profundity because of the source down there yeah so in point i i had a singing lesson yesterday and i had been feeling really um i was like kind of plateauing in my singing I do bel canto singing so it's very you know it's very technique oh, yeah. exactly so 
yesterday, I, you know, I've been having this kind of hard week and yesterday I go and it was the best I've ever sang. I was close to tears throughout the lesson. And, and I was, (laughs) I mean, that's, and then I remembered, this is why I do this because there is something within me that has to be released. And so I was going through a period where like things were pretty cool. I was doing well. And I was like, kind of bored of singing, kind of, you know, complacent and not just singing, but a lot of places in my life, just like, this is comfy, you know? And so then along comes the universe to shake things up a little bit. And it reminds me of my humanity, you know, because being complacent, as comfortable as it is, it's really not being alive, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, also, you know, you were having a hard week. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of transition at work and you were alone with your, the people you have to care give to. And, um, uh, you, you were shaken up. So you had some crisis in your life. So when you did sing, you did touch down to that depth and that source. Exactly. Exactly. And so. I think of it definitely not like you have to be depressed and sad to produce great art or anything like that, but you have to be in the heart space and you have to be feeling. And how often, honestly, how often does the average person get into presence in the heart space through awe, wonder, joy? It's a lot more. It's through pain. Pain wakes us up if we pay attention to it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, once we're, once we're enlightened, then we're like joyful, whatever, but like we're not, most of us are not having like these ecstatic experiences in life that wake us up. Right. So we can use the pain as a vehicle to that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and especially with what I'm going through right now, um, which we talk about a little bit here and there, you know, I talked to my sister-in-law today and we were like, why does no one talk about this or prepare us for it? end, End of life thing. And, and trying to, And, you know, I just refuse to be depressed that this is fucking normal that your mother's going to get old and that she's going to be on her deathbed. It's as normal as anything. And I am, damn it, I'm going to find the beauty in it. I'm not going to let it take me down. And it's hard work and I wasn't prepared for it and I don't want to do it, but it's what's in front of me now. So why I need to put my creativity tenants into my work with my mom and trying to try and discover, try and take risks, try and you know, think of the transcendence and how it's transporting me and all those components that we talked about. I need to run it through the the lens of creativity because I am contributing my gifts to the collective. I just didn't know it was just going to be my family, my mom and dad. I thought it was going to be, you know, my students or, you know, my YouTube audience or, you know, the people that read my book. Oh, no, no, this is how I'm contributing to the collective. And I don't want to be grouchy about it. I want to be grateful about it. I'm not the first woman on the planet that has to take care of her mom when she wasn't planning on it. Yeah. And that's shadow work, what you're doing. And that being grouchy about it is also human, you know, like no one's supposed to be like whistling and skipping while they're caring for their mom as, as she's preparing to depart the world, you know, the pain that, that comes up is real and valid. And, and that's the shadow work. That's the accepting that part of the, of human humanity, humanness, you know? So yeah, thank you. That's, that's really, it's all new to me. Um, this whole, yeah. it's okay to be human thing. Cause, um, you know, as an artist, how we are, um, I, I remember just being like 16 years old and getting broken up with and, I, and literally I I'm 16. I thought I'll get a good song out of this. Like what? <laughs> right. Cause you just know that, okay, I'm getting dumped, but I'm probably gonna write some really good songs. There's a flip side to it. 
Totally. Anyway, so beyond the um, beyond the crisis from and the and the the shadow in the internal realm, um, there's also that link to childhood. Um, mm -hmm. So we're looking for balance in our psyches and balance with the you call it yang and everybody else calls it yang the yin and the yang yeah i'm um, kind of a purist in my pronunciations i love it i love like it it's, it's not thor it's tor just psa anyway <laughs> <laughs> I love it. um so ultimately when we get to the climax of the book the pinnacle of the book um we did talk about that creativity is the container that holds all things together and unifies us as a species Mm -hmm. And that is my religion right there. That is the, you know, sign the dotted line. That is the truth. Right. No matter what creative experts want to take you down this road to just become rich and famous. It's really not for that. We are all creative for much deeper, more um, enriching experiences for the collective. It's a property that belongs to us as a species. And so one of the things though, if creativity is the container that holds everything together, creativity is the container that holds us together. It connects us to our deeper selves. Mm -hmm. And so you, we talked about meditating. There's a lot of things we can do um, in order to touch you know, down and get that at one minute with our souls, with ourselves, with our deeper psyche, whatever you wanna call it. Right. And so just getting that balance and interacting with it and stopping what we're doing and going, okay, this is this and I'm not gonna push it away. Those are all good things. Um, but there's that whole element of childhood. So um, when we wanna honor process, I bring it, I start talking about the process of human, a human, a human. Now I'm a grandma and I've got this little six month old, juicy, yummy, delicious, drooling baby. And I just look at her and I just think, babies are such a great way to start people, aren't they? They're mm -hmm. just so full of possibility and my grandma Domingo, she's Italian. She used to look at my babies and go, like an apple. There's little cheeks, like an apple. And you just think of an apple and, and just, you know, how an apple is grown and all the, uh, this, from a seed, this big tree, and then we ingest it. And just the whole idea of a baby starting off humans. And then yeah. the whole idea of the Christ being a baby, right? We mm -hmm. talked about that before. And how we need to honor that that's how we start. And why are we so hard on ourselves? Like even a singer, when she walks in and she's 50 and I teach her maybe how to do a, a, a lick or a, a riff or something, and she can't do it the first day and she's pissed and she quits. Well, yeah. where, where we need to honor the process here and you can't just know how to do something. Right. You know, you know, you have to go through it. Even like what you're saying about earlier, you were saying that you know that you, you're not gonna, you know that, you know, there's going to be shit in your life and you know that you are going to probably respond. Um, and, but it doesn't change it. It doesn't stop things from happening just because you know, just because you have this intellectual understanding of life. Yeah. It doesn't stop the bad, the stuff it doesn't stop yeah. it. And I don't yeah. want to give anything a value judgment. I don't want to give my mom a value judgment. You don't want to give your transitions at work about, we don't want to do that. We want to, we want to say this is what's in front of me now and how and you know how can i navigate it exactly show up to it just yes. show up to what is rather right. than resisting it with ideas or mm -hmm. trying to convince yourself yes. you shouldn't be feeling the way that you're feeling with ideas okay. or whatever one of the things that i didn't put in the book that's really big right now because i mean i wrote it in 2018 and it took me years to write it the big word right now is resilient did you did you know that Resiliency. Yes, I, I'm feeling like Brene Brown vibes, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's that resilient, resilient, resilient. 
Yeah. And so it's something that perhaps this new generation, which you're in, um, doesn't have the snowflakes and the snowplow parenting type things because we didn't train our kids necessarily have resist resilience. We, tr we wanted to prepare the road for the child. Like I'm not, I don't know if I'm in that category, but the yeah. thought for the, the new thought was let's, let's prepare the road for the child, but our parents and their parents prepared the child for the road. You get yeah. it? Totally. That. I totally get that. And, and I yeah, it. I mean, I yeah. experienced that in my upbringing as well. But when you sit down and you haven't in a while, cause Noah's an old man. Um, when you do sit down, we've talked about the kids, they want to break something and they're not upset when the tower falls down. They just want to do it again. Right. They're really engaged in the process. Yeah. And so how to, how do we honor the process? We adopt childhood characteristics, which is uh, exactly what your program does. You want to play, you want to do art, you want to sit, you want to explore things, you want to be curious. And because we can't go backwards and get rid of our uh, intellectual center, we can't unlearn logic and discrimination and discernment. Um, we have to take the role of the parent and the child as adults. We have to take the role of, and this yeah. is what I teach in my course, and also kind of what you're mentioning here, and we'll talk about it on a macro level, but on a micro level, we have to reparent ourselves. And I always like to say the benevolent cosmic mother, but it can be any, you know, it can be God, it can be God, the father, it can be the all the universe, it can be, you know, whatever is the thing, you know, that is the, the source of life, the source of life. And how does the source of life see us? Mm -hmm. Not with derision or judgment or, you know, like comparison, you know, but just with the same way we see a baby when they're, they're tumbling around, they're drooling, they're doing the most random things. What, what is it? If not love, compassion, and just joy of the complete absurdity of the things that they do, you know, I just imagine that's how God sees us. And that's how I really try to work with my clients to see themselves that way and with myself and with my son. And so it's just this, this invocation of mother, the mother archetype over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about creativity as the vessel that holds, that is the mother archetype because what that holding vessel is the womb. Mm -hmm. It's the womb of gestation. It's the womb of safety, you know, and it's out of that womb, you know, the, the child can only explore when they feel safe, right? That's what all the literature says you know, all the, all the scientific studies on children, it's like the child will explore and wander away from the mother if they have a fundamental sense of safety. Mm -hmm. And that's what the womb and the container provide on, on the micro level, on the individual level. Mm -hmm. And on the macro level, it literally is the cosmic mother holding us constantly all the time. Yay. I love that. Um, I really do. It, I love the marriage of just the whole idea of the creatress matrix. Um, not just creativity in in that form but the creatress matrix period totally. you know yeah that's what literally we're on, we're in it right now and like stuff gets weird stuff gets hard and then it's like but actually we're being held you know we're being held we don't float away into outer space like we're here on the ground beautiful. beautifully said and to appreciate in ourselves and in our artistic projects and in our act art of becoming in the process of becoming those stages that we're allowed to be in we don't have to kick our own asses and say get that project done that's if that's where you're at that's where you're at 
Um, so we'll talk about the creative stages. Um, uh, I don't know, the individual growth, process of becoming. I have this really cute little diagram, but we can do the diagram when we go into the process of becoming because what happens is our process of becoming where we allow ourselves to be where we at, where we at. Like with a singer, I want the voice to develop, right? I don't want to just put the end sound on or they're just mimicking. Right. And they could hurt themselves and it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, or if I was building a wall, I can't put the top bricks on. I can't. There's no way I can put the top bricks on. I can't just be done with it and not see my neighbor anymore or whatever I'm doing. Right. The, the, the top thing is not going to do anything. You yeah. have to build it from the bottom up. Right. And so when we accept that life itself is a process, we might not, you know, get pissed off at ourselves and throw our drawing away because it's not perfect. We'll go, well, this is where I'm at. So right. what happens if we accept this process of becoming in ourselves and we don't beat ourselves up and we don't, you know, hate ourselves for being a failure or all the things that go on at three in the morning, that as we develop our, our own self, it informs the work. Yeah. That will inform the work because we'll be able to then have so much confidence in who we are, because that's what happens when you become who you're supposed to be yourself, right. that it kind of bursts your excuses. It bursts that bubble of, um, of excuses and uh, failure and all of that. So I'll show you guys the, the picture next time. But um, just the idea that we dabble with all the time, we talk about like Picasso um, said, we have to be like a child. Albert Einstein didn't speak till he was five. And mm -hmm. he says, he just, I got where I'm at today because I just asked questions children would ask. Totally. Like, there's just a litany of people that want us to honor the child, right? And yeah. yet our daycare workers and our, we've talked about this too, our, our um, daycare workers and our teachers and our preschool teachers, they, preschool teachers don't even have a union. Mm -hmm. And that is where most of the development is happening. So that's another topic altogether. But anyway, so just for today, just talking about the process on an individual level and how creativity can hold us together as we go through that process and turn ourselves inside out and integrate our shadow, our deeper psyche with our external world and become transparent. Um, that's what makes us transcendent so that we don't get too caught up in the external and then if there's enough of us, we're going to transform society. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And, and with that, I'd love to segue right into the meditation. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm okay. Ready. okay. All right. Perfect. All right. Let's shut our eyes here. I'll make this big. I don't know if that matters, but well, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> speaker view maybe. Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so let's shut our eyes. Let's drop into the body. <sighs> and just let everything go. Let any thoughts about the future just float away. Don't have to resist them because they'll, they may just come and that's fine. Just don't engage with them. Don't latch onto them. Any thoughts about the past? And just be here in your body now with the breath, the inhale, 
filling the belly and chest, the exhale as the belly contracts slightly. Allowing ourselves to be in our bodies, which may not always be a comfortable place to be. Inviting our whole selves to this moment. The stressed out parts of ourselves, the scared parts of ourselves, even the frustrated, angry parts, they all get to come. They all get to be here at once. And just keep remembering to breathe. That whatever comes up, grief, sadness, anger, is allowed to come up. And the breath will always be here as the anchor. So whatever we're experiencing, we don't have to resist it. Because if we sit long with long enough with it, if we sit with it and feel it, there's nothing to run from anymore. There's nothing to push away, nothing to avoid. Nothing to fix even. There's just us. Bringing the attention back to the breath over and over and over. Knowing that whatever arises is temporary, it passes. And it's that awareness, that consciousness that watches the experience, that experiences firsthand the experience that is constant. That awareness that can't be described or named or categorized or judged. It's non-binary, it's without labels. It's the essential self. And it hosts everything. It holds everything, contains everything, even pain, even ugliness. 
That same loving awareness regards everything equally with compassion, with loving neutrality. And when we sit like this, we have access to that awareness as ourselves, as our real selves. And we can see that whatever experiences we're having are the weather passing by. while the awareness is the shining sun. Just glowing, casting warmth, ready and waiting for when the clouds pass, but never gone. It's always there, just behind them. Bringing the attention back to the breath. If your mind has wandered, feeling the sensations of the breath. Sensations in the body, both pleasant and unpleasant. And becoming aware of the one who is looking, the one who is witnessing. We become aware of that witness and see ourselves through that lens. There's nothing to do but love and celebrate. Nothing but compassion. And as you're ready, you can externalize your awareness, broaden the awareness beyond the breath and the body into the room that you're in. And then gazing away from your screen, gently open the eyes. Thanks again, Renee. Oh, thank you. Wow. I just love to, I love ending it with that. It's just, it means so much to me. You're so, it, it just wraps it all together in, in, an un, in a way you cannot put in words. Thank you. It's my pleasure, really. Okay. I'll see you next week. All right. Week after. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye.